Late round quarterback is king, and depth of league guides your draft decisions. Welcome to the Football Guys Dynasty Show. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, and Jordan McNamara and I are finishing up our discussion of the FFPC Dynasty Startup Draft through the 20 rounds, kicker and defense. We've got through about 13, 14 rounds. I believe we left off with Antonio Brown, which kickstarts this entire conversation of looking at late round quarterback because through 14 rounds, no quarterback for us in the start one. I think we had a few teams that had already drafted their backup, and we're going to break down this week of how the late rounds, and you had an article on Football Guys, and it really applies to our draft that we had, where the depth of the league and the type of the format can dictate and change some of those later round decisions you will make based on it being shallow or deep. I almost went near far. <laughs> but, but, but Jordan, yeah, we didn't have a quarterback through 14 rounds. No problem to us. We, we, I think we left off last week listing all the, the quality options we were okay having. We ultimately in fit round 15 chose one of those, but also we made a number of decisions that in a stock, you know, say 28, 30 man dynasty roster, we may not have made these picks yet for FFPC. It ended up making a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. And, and having that, that clarity in terms of, uh, knowing early on what's going to happen, whether that is, you know, whether that's Lamar Miller or, uh, you know, t- um, Antonio Brown or these types of guys that, that could very easily be not on a team uh, September 1st uh, or have key roles, but either way, having that clarity in terms of being able to quickly readjust. So whether that's, you know, we caught Lamar Miller, I think that's, as we sit here right now, June 30th, I think that's probably the more, more, most likely outcome is that we end up cutting him. But if he ends up being a one injury away guy, that calculus may change. Uh, you know, similarly with, I thought one of the big takeaways in this was actually the tactics at the end of the draft in terms of, we we ha- were sitting on the clock at, at with the last pick of the draft, and it was literally we are on the clock as Cam Newton gets signed by the Patriots, and I you know I, I guess I didn't realize like the 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 picks hadn't like anchored in my brain yet, but you have to in FFPC you have to take a kicker and a defense right you can't you can't not take one. You have to take one. So that's part of the game in terms of scheduling those things. Most people wait to the end, the last round. I, one thing I've learned from this experience is maybe that's not the optimized thing. Maybe it's that you, you leave your last round pick in something in case something like this crazy happened, you have the roster flexibility to address it where other people might not. Right. So again, being a little bit different, if everyone's just taking kicker and defense in the last round and something happens, something breaks, there's nothing that they can do to get out of that. We were in the position where we were able to address it because we had we had taken Matt Prater at the at the 18-19 turn, so we ha- we already had a kicker under our belt. We had a defense under our belt. We were able to with that last pick basically use it as a priority free agent spot where no one else, you know, if, if we had waited on kicker and waited on defense to that last spot, it wouldn't give us that roster flexibility. So, again, just playing the format, I think thinking like that going forward, that's a lesson that I really learned from this draft was was thinking critically about the format and those little things 
maybe it doesn't happen every draft, but you make those optimized decisions that leave you that flexibility and that, you know, 5% of the time, things like that break your way. You're able to capitalize on them. Those things can add up over the course of owning a lot of dynasty teams. Yeah. And with an active waiver wire in FFPC, and part of that is that it's not overly deep. You've got 18 positional players. You know, there might be teams with multiple kickers or defenses for moments in time during the season. And looking at it as, you know, if you can stabilize certain things, then you can benefit and have more waiver capital, you know, over the course of the season, because there will be backup running backs out there. We cannot have them all. It's just not possible. So there are scenarios where there's auto pickups that will go for big bucks, you know, churning it out, improving your probabilities. All those are things that will be more challenging in a league like this because of the lack of depth on, on rosters overall. But one thing we had discussed, I mean, there were only, I, I was looking, at the defenses, for example, and we ended up going with the, the Bills defense at the 16-17 turn. Um, and part of that, again, I, that was another part, as well as going with Matt Prater, that opened up our possibilities for going later, you know, and, and there was a lot of sameness at, at the other positions uh, at that point, but we went with the Bills, and part of the reason was, you know, they have a really good schedule for the first two weeks of the season, and we're going to be probable streamers, but you never know. I mean, the Bills are one of the better defenses out there. We certainly didn't draft them. I, I think we got them as the fourth defense, something like that. But if you can get, hey, we're projecting to, to start them in the first two weeks, that can, those can be waiver moves that you don't have to make in the first couple of weeks. You're good week one. That really should be one of the paramount reasons you're drafting a defense. What do they look like in week one? You know, and so doing that, and I think the Patriots were the other one we were looking at at the time, yeah. but, but but doing that, we had a short list of, of, of kickers we were interested in. We got Matt Prater before, you know, they, they start the, the run, if you will, over the first, last couple of rounds. But like you said, all those little decisions, which I think in this kind of format, it makes a little more sense because really after the first 10, 12 rounds, maybe 13, there's going to be a lot of churn. And so you have to look at all those guys. And that's part of the reason we, we've mentioned last week with Antonio Brown of these types of Rob Gronkowski, even of saying, you want to know pretty quick what you have because you, there's going to be viable options off the waiver wire. And if you're playing in a 30 man deep roster, that's not the, really a similar thing where your round 13, 15, 17 in a startup draft has much roster pressure from the waiver wire. Yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, you're, you're more experienced with the FFPC format than I am uh, in terms of being comfortable with that waiver wire each week uh, and, and knowing the depth of it. But I think that uh, understanding that depth and, and knowing that we'll be able to address it, uh, especially with what we like to do, which is a lot of, uh, you know, we talk running backs every week, right? A lot of those decisions over and over again, those things are going to be highly fluid. And I do think between now and the beginning of the season, whenever that comes, there's going to be, you know, with the stat on, on the basketball players coming back is about 5% of them had COVID, right? So if that's going to be similar in terms of uh, the NFL, we're talking about hundreds of players and the impact that that could that that could have in terms of being able to address waiver wire and having some of that flexibility. Again, if it's not Lamar Miller getting signed to be a backup running back, he's an easy cut. We can address a different position that way. I think a lot of those decisions, uh, those will, and again, we're, maybe, maybe we don't even hold Cam Newton. 
right? I mean, maybe, maybe we trade him, maybe we do any of these things. Um, but, but having, I think those, those clear decision processes on, on players going into it makes a lot of sense and gives us a, a good opportunity going forward to have roster flexibility, which in this, again, we talked about this and joked about it, but you don't want the Jeff Janis situation, right? You don't want to have the player that you're holding on to for a long period of time on the back end of your roster. You want to be able to, to churn that, right? And address, uh, address, uh, the changing landscape, uh, each, each week in terms of, uh, different injuries and different, uh, you know, a backup running back situations, all of those things be able to address that on the back end of your roster. You don't want those long-term stashes. Uh, and I think, I think we've accomplished at least that in terms of a roster construction build. This is Chad Parsons, Jordan McNamara, episode 10 of the football guys dynasty show. And I, I think you hit it spot on, which is you don't want to waste picks. So mm-hmm. even if, you know, Again, oh, I'm planning on, I'm probably going to cut this guy in the first two weeks of the season. But the answer is probably. And so what kind of stories are you telling? Just looking at the board, you know, someone like LaMichael P. Ryan. So this is, you know, what your run of the mill, mm-hmm. say third round, maybe even early fourth round, uh, rookie pick. Yet you say there's Frank Gore there if Le'Veon Bell is out. Like, is P. Ryan really going to be someone you walk in week one? You're like, wow, he's the last man standing. You know, he's ready to go. I sure am glad I drafted him in round 17. Like, the odds are he's going to hit the waiver wire really early in the season. And if that's, I mean, you, it's really hard to tell a story outside of two running backs ahead of him being out and he's still being the next guy. Are you going to want to roll him out week one? It's a pretty small hole to shoot that needle through. And... So with that lens, I mean, again, we took plenty of risk and risk meaning, you know, this, we're not talking risk of like, ooh, low pedigree and, you know, like, is this going to work out long term? Like long term in FFPC, even in dynasty, when you're talking about the back end of your roster is literally a matter of weeks and, you know, or half a season at most. (laughs) Yeah. Or days. So, so, so us taking shots, you know, again, the, the, if, it's a good problem to have if they all work out. I mean, right. we'll figure it out. But look at the shots we did take. Carlos Hyde, Lamar Miller, um, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski. We followed up with Matt Pray- uh Sorry, we followed up with Cam Newton. I mean, mm-hmm. the odds are maybe one or two of those storylines heading into week one, whether that's Cam Newton being the starter, Gronkowski looking like himself, Antonio Brown's on a team, you know, and, and being, and being, you know, a good soldier or Carlos Hyde, the perfect storm in Seattle happening where, uh, you know, you've got Chris Carson out and Car- Carlos Hyde is going to be the week one starter. Um, a number of these scenarios, Lamar Miller signs and signs to have a relevant role right away. Um, again, one or two of those probably happen. Do all of them again, probably not. And hey, maybe we'll just bow out of the waiver wire. If all those work out, maybe we're trying to flip one or two of them. But the point is you're almost making these high variance bets so that you know the likelihood is they're not all going to work out or at least not suck you in, as you mentioned, with taking some of these, oh, well, I really like LaMichael P. Ryan, the rookie. I really like uh, Devin DuVernay, the rookie. Or I really like Steven Sims. Or, you know, uh, And one of the most perplexing picks that, that I saw, Jordan, and I don't know if you agree, is – Tyler Johnson in round 20 mm. that, or, or I don't know. Well, so he's a big one for me because he's completely buried. Right. And so how many Tampa Bay players need to be out 
week one. And if you're saying that's the last guy on your roster, let's, let's put over under right now, 97% chance he's cut after week one. How do you not get sucked in to someone from the waiver wire once you have that first week of data points? How do you, how do you stay so fervent on team Tyler Johnson that you hold that for even three or four weeks? How? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of rookies on that team too. That's I think I think one thing. Um, okay. But I, I do think I'll say this about I think dynasty, especially in shallower leagues. Uh, I, I think I think playing it. I think there's different phases of your roster, right? So you and I have talked about this in 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 um in, you know on, on prior episodes and and in prior um in prior conversations. The first in a start one league, maybe it's the first five or six rounds or so, um, depending on the year. That's your core guys, right? That's that's your core players, right? Those are the guys that you need to hit. Um, you know, you need to hit four, five, six times, right? Fours pushing it, five or six times. Really, that's in those rounds. That's critical. As you sort of transition out of that, and, and maybe in Superflex, it's it's after round eight or nine, um, you know, in terms of you had a couple more quarterbacks in there on your roster. Once you sort of transition out of that, it becomes a little bit different of a mindset, right? I think, you know, this year, and especially when we looked in this range, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth round, in that in that mid-round range, it's a lot of running backs. It's for us. It's a lot of running backs. There's quarterbacks in there. Uh, you know, we we address some tight end uh, as well, uh, but it's more of a. I don't necessarily think you're playing super long term at that range. You know, and the quarterback we took is a good example of this. Drew Brees, right? Uh, we're not necessarily making that decision for 2023, right? We're looking, hey, 2020, 2021, that sort of range. I think where people get lost in dynasty uh, and you'll see it in startup drafts and just look at different rosters. When, when people take long-term bets, especially in shallow rosters at the end of your, at the end of your roster in terms of rookies and developmental types, that's a, that's a, a troubling strategy because the hit rates really low, especially day three wide receivers is just, you're looking 5%. Especially uh, in the first year or two, right? Which right. is really the the spectrum you should be looking. Correct, and and once and the problem is is once you do that, right? And we call it the Jeff Janis problem because we have that scar tissue of, of doing that. But once you once you do that, right? It's a you you've sunk your cost, and now you're you have this bias towards keeping these guys. It's tough to do that, right? It's tough to. Whereas if you're taking, if you understand you're going into it, say, hey, listen. The back end of this roster should look like a redraft roster, right? I shouldn't care about what 2021 looks like. I'm trying to capture three or four weeks for 2020, right? That's what I'm trying to capture. And listen, if, if from there I strike gold on, you know, a Raheem Mostert type, something like that, then that's great. But, but you shouldn't be, I think the optimized strategy is not to be in a 20 man roster where you got to cut down in the off season, not to be trying to develop guys, young guys on the back end of your roster, that's almost always a losing bet and going at it a different way, but basically playing it like redraft, I think is the late 
in the draft. It's a different mindset than early, but late in the draft, I think makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And the thing I've observed from, from playing the one FFPC dynasty previous to this was really the first couple rounds of rookie pick, uh, players. That's really the line of who you can reasonably keep to have a window here of a couple years and saying, you know, I really need to start getting something with, with maybe rare exception that, you know, and I guess Darius guys here, you know, a type of situation where, uh, injuries and just sheer opportunity to not really know what you have, or maybe you know what there could be. You just haven't got to see it yet for, for much other than those cases, again, third round and beyond of rookie general rookie player pool. That's where, again, the no allegiance, but also be really skeptical of who you're taking. I mean, I, I was surprised in the annual draft in the other league this year of just how many times I was thinking, yeah, you know, these, these veteran types, you know, when you get to the late second and beyond of, of the draft itself, just because, like you said, that you know, that churn is coming, you know, the timetable is going to be clicking. And that's why it's so hard outside of running back. You know, again, if you like the situation, if they're a primary backup of priority for you, then that aligns perfectly with what you would have been doing in a draft mixed of all the asset types. So it's fine to do that in the annual draft, which is mixed between veterans and rookies alike. Um, I do want to mention, I thought one of the better things we timed in this draft, uh, I also thought, I, just rewinding, we made a, a trade up. You can listen to that. Uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago for Allen Robinson, for example. But we drafted Drew Brees. We pretty much started that last final run yeah. of quarterbacks where I remember we talked through it because this was the point where we had 1501 and it transitioned all the way to the 1617 turn. And a good strategy point of just drafting in general, whether it's redraft, dynasty, keeper, doesn't matter that when you can kind of sense a run and when you look at the board, you're like, you know, you're seeing Brashad Perriman, Corey Davis, OJ Howard, Adam Troutman. Like you're looking at the other positions and going the next five, the best player at all positions. If you just stack it up, if the next few are all at the same position, Teams are going to go that direction. Even if they don't need a quarterback, they're probably going to just go, hey, I've already got a quarterback, but the absolute best player on the board is a quarterback. So why would I say no to that in a dynasty format? And that deep, I get the logic. Now, I still mm-hmm. don't know if that's fully optimized. We've talked about that before. And we were probably going to go with one quarterback uh, in our draft. But we sat there and we go, you know what? Drew Brees is going to score equally or better than a lot of the quarterbacks that were drafted ahead of him. You know, just monster situation. Last year was a bit of a down year, but he also missed a bunch of games. And so here he is sitting here. Tom Brady was still there. Aaron Rodgers. It's just a, a, a just such riches to wait on the position. And sure enough, though, we had seven of them or so going round 15 alone. And I'll tell you, Jordan, we talked about like, hey, we're okay with a lot of stuff. Kirk Cousins, Drew, Drew Locke, Sam Darnold were the guys that went in the, the, the rounds later, I mean, I, I would have been fine with Kirk Cousins, but I really think we tear jumped by getting Drew Brees and we said, who's our guy here? We've talked about Brady or Rogers or Brees or maybe even Jared Goff or Ben Roethlisberger, but they all went. That was our last chance to get someone of that ilk. Yeah. Who would have thought at the beginning of that, as you and I are talking about that, that we're going to crack the, the run, right? That we're going to be the, we're going to open the spigot there. Uh, yeah, basically Baker goes a couple of picks in front of us. He goes at 1410. We're at 1501. Uh, and from 1501 to 1511, 
there are seven quarterbacks, right? So that's, that's quick. I just, I was struck a little bit by not only the run, uh, and, and you're right. Basically everyone that we had in that tier and we talked about, we talked about Rogers and I think that's a, a good point too, is that we passed on Rogers who I think you and I both long-term would take over breeze. Um, but we were, optimizing in our mind short term, right? And that's a lot about the roster construction. Uh, so I do think that's a, a critical one. I think you and I, you know, long, if we had to take a long term, but I think you and I like Rogers more, but in the near term, I think Breeze has the higher upside. That was part of the calculus, but you're seeing people in this draft. Like there was a run here. There were people that already had two quarterbacks. Like the guy that took Lamar Jackson had already doubled down with Daniel Jones. So, Again, talk about optimizing. We ended up taking two quarterbacks, which didn't we didn't really expect to do. Our second one was the last pick of the draft, right? And you had basically half the teams, or more than half the teams, take two, uh, and and we basically got right in the tier that we wanted with our first one in the fifteenth round, and that I think that broke well for us. You know, if if we don't go quarterback there, does that happen? It's tough to say. You know what sort of how that that all goes if that's the same outcome but it definitely broke well for us and i do think we had a number of these guys we would have felt comfortable with but kirk cousins was a tear break right so i think we would have been okay with landing kirk cousins but i I think all of the guys that we had were a tier above uh, a tier above him uh and that one sometimes it's about luck right that one worked out for us Never miss a moment of the Football Guys show by subscribing to Football Guys TV on YouTube. This is a live show each and every week. You've got the Audible IDP shows come around on the couch with Sigmund Bloom. A number of ways to listen to the audio version, but also watch those live shows. Subscribe, show your support for all of the Football Guys content, as well as subscribing to the daily email update from Joe Bryant. The news is coming around. We've got Cam Newton. We're going to discuss him a little bit here in the next few minutes. But you can sign up for that. Uh, don't miss the instant analysis. You get a, a breaking news email. Those are going to come out more frequently between now and through the end of the season, uh, whether it's injuries, COVID-related, uh, any sort of updates that are going to move the needle for you in your dynasty leagues. That's footballguys.com slash free. And I do want to mention some of the most recent content. Eyes of the Guru um, with John Norton, uh, sorry, with Gene Branimal is one of the best um, that that I love to go through as an IDP owner in a few of my leagues. I let IDP analysts, I know what I'm good and not good at. <laughs> I'm not great with IDP. The heavy lifting football guys staff, please help me out. Gene Bramwell, John Norton, uh, love. they're going by division by division uh, to get all the IDP info that you need, whether it's for your rookie draft, startup draft, or just refining your roster uh, with some waiver claims, um, even if it hasn't started yet, getting that watch list set up. Um, the deep sleepers, overrated, undervalued um, by the football guys staff at wide receiver is up. My win your league uh, series, looking at tier breaks and ways to optimize value at wide receiver and tight end are up. And uh, predicting breakout offenses for 2020 by Dan Hendry. Also, Jordan, I, mi- I mentioned yours. I, maybe we mentioned it once in passing in another show, but that shallow versus deep league format one, uh, I do want to point p- people towards because a lot of it is a lot of the tactics we're talking about now for FFPC on the shallow side is exactly some of the stuff that you need to dif- differentiate in some of your dynasty leagues between uh, shallow and deeper uh, formats in general. 
Yeah, and this was a good. This will be optimized for next year too, right? In that shell versus deep leagues. So, I, I, you and I both, I think, like playing deep leagues, but playing the shallow leagues again, it's it's more of a game, right? And it's 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 a different strategy. So, yeah, I I, I like doing those, and um, yeah, check all those out. I mean, Dan Hendry's got a really good uh, one on uh, on the Denver Broncos. That's right up on the main page. It's pretty interesting. Uh, a player that we've talked a lot about, Drew Locke, which I, who, who's a player I think you, you it's if you're in Superflex, he's a critical one to have a position on. Uh, Dan takes a pretty good look at that one as well. Yeah, so let's break down Cam Newton. So it was the last pick. It was the uh, Mr. Irrelevant, but highly relevant. Um, and yeah. the decision came down to drafting Cam Newton, but also for us, we had someone that wanted to trade for the pick. Um, so kind of break down our our own war room, our own two-man war room of we had the last pick in the draft. Thank goodness we had the flexibility to take any position where we did have a, a, a kicker in defense. You mentioned that earlier. But we got some pretty low range offers of, of a future pick for that to basically kick it to this is a pro, I, I always view these your final pick or the final picks of a draft whether it's rookie or startup it's almost like a priority waiver claim that you can have number one priority or you can maybe flip that for waiver dollars a future pick and but you really have to have the calculus of What's the potential outcome of the player I'm drafting compared to all of those choices? Yeah, and I think I think it was a later rookie pick that we were offered. I mean, Cam Newton's a former MVP, right? And so on those on that spectrum, there what are the odds that what six round rookie pick's going to change anything? Pretty low. What did you think about me asking for a third? See, I thought that was a lot more a lot more, you know, third round, two third rounders get you into the second, maybe. I mean, there's a lot mm-hmm. more fungibility or usability in the future and kind of locking in in a start one with that of, well, what if Cam Newton doesn't even get to week one with the team? Like there is plenty of downside with that. And yet, I mean, we didn't really get close to a trade because it seems like they weren't even going to approach that with a counter or just their reaction. So we didn't really get close to it, but a six rounder is pretty throwaway, even when you add uh, veterans into it. Yeah. Let's just take the guy that, that we know has done it before and let's not get cute. Right. That's, that's kind of that approach. Uh, a third, I think is a little bit more interesting. Again, you're, it's a start one, right? Un, we don't know what Cam Newton we're getting, right? And this is a good, I do think this Cam Newton thing is really interesting for a lot of different reasons. Uh, one of the things I look at the, at the Jared Stidham profile, I couldn't convince myself that it was ever going to truly happen, right? There were so many landmines and this is a great thing, a great example of what happens to day three quarterbacks. I mean, Minshew basically skated, uh, Stidham doesn't, uh, the, the hit rate's really low. I mean, for fourth round guys, you're looking like 10% of them become fantasy starters. So Stidham was up against it. I was never convinced he was going to get all the way there. I thought they were going to address the position. It turns into June and I, in a startup draft, it was like quarterback 34. I, I sort of had to do it, uh, a couple, a couple weeks back. And then they, they addressed Cam and I was like, finally, that's what should have happened, right? That's, it wouldn't, the fact that Stidham got through this far was really unlikely. Uh, but again, they bring in Cam Newton. I, I don't think 
let's take this this draft out of it that we just did. I think it's a foregone conclusion that Cam Newton's the week one starter. I think that's probably the most likely outcome, but we don't know. And and to pretend that he's it was five years ago that he was the MVP, right? I mean, it wasn't he hasn't been above average in terms of yards per attempt since then. What also came out that this is the only real offer he's had, which is which is telling, right? I mean, it's it's an interesting. That, well, to be fair, how many teams in the league are like, well, we don't want him as our backup, and we're not going to have him as our starter, so why would we give an offer? What is that twenty? I mean, I, it's it, yeah. more than half is what I would say. Yeah, that, that's true. But you just think, I mean, what what did? What did Chicago have to pay for Nick Foles in that trade? Uh, and the Patriots are basically paying him close to the minimum, right? I mean, uh, yeah. So, and, and the other thing we don't know is, was that always the number, right? Was this a new, it, it, was he looking for, you know, eight figures coming into this week and then finally dropped his number and, the Patriots are the only one left there. I do think from a, hey, be patient, play a long-term game, you know, be patient. Sometimes the most contrarian strategy is to be patient in Dynasty, even though we're, people think they're playing a long-term game. If you're actually patient, no one's not that many people can play that patience game. This is sort of a good example of how it turns out in terms of what the what the Patriots continue to do. So I do think that's that's – uh, a, a good example to draw from. I'll say, I don't think it's a guarantee. I don't think either of us think it's a guarantee that Cam Newton's a week one starter. They have a, <laughs> they've brought in plenty of veterans that they've then moved on from very quickly. So, and there's not a ton on the hook for them this year, but I think it's a high variance, high upside, low risk type of, decision for them and if it does work out i think it can it can make a big impact those types of decisions translating into dynasty those are the types of decisions at low cost that you want to make right and so that's not as much quarterback typically but that's like a that's like a running back in dynasty right they have high 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 upside can make a big difference at a very low cost right a lot of those types of bets you see successful franchises do this across all of sports Patriots in particular, um, and to incorporate it in a dynasty, I think makes a lot of sense. It kind of hurt my soul because we were firmly on the, we're drafting one quarterback camp and we made it (laughs) to almost the last, I was trying to think, do you know the example? It was a, I believe it was a running back last year that they almost made it all the way to week one. And then they signed somebody, uh, you know, in like the three weeks before the season started and was like, Oh, you almost made it. (laughs) You made it the whole off season. I can't remember who that was. Um, but, uh, but, you know, we almost made it to the last pick of the draft before we got our second quarterback. And one team, Deshaun Watson, drafted one quarterback. Everybody else went multiple. And some teams went three. I ha, I, I don't know how this plays out, right? But it's ugly. It's gotta be ugly because how, I just don't think you can make it through the whole season with any sort of optimization if you have three quarterbacks perpetually. On your now, one of them, you know, their third quarterback is Kirk Cousins. Does he get dropped at some point? Probably. Uh, another team has Burrow, Wentz, and Sam Darnold. Unless Darnold is lights out, does he get cut? Probably at some point. But the point is, like, we were kind of playing that our backup is going to be from the waiver wire. 
you know. Yeah. So we were going to be open to that. Jameis Winston, for example, is is probably you know the working third quarterback on the Brady Mayfield team. So I mean, how do you keep that guy through bye weeks? I just don't even know how that's possible, um, considering the format. It's not like there's five extra roster spots, and even then, I think a third quarterback is not something you should go in with the design. So we there are starting quarterbacks on the waiver wire which, again, is good for us. We'll see about Cam Newton. Do you think it's more likely that Cam Newton is off our roster by week one or still on our roster midseason? Uh, I think it's more likely he's still on our roster by midseason. Okay. Because that, cause that quarterback one production is still there, right? I mean, oh, in yeah. the best-case scenario, they oh, transform yeah. their offense a little bit. They utilize him as a runner. Uh, they still get some, you know, squeeze some some juice from that rock you know, some water out of the desert there of, of, I mean, I kind of view him as you almost have to look at him as a hybrid quarterback running back, right? In terms of the career arc or the erosion as a player, he's 31. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can only take so many hits. He's been delivering a ton of hits, but it catches up with you. Um, And so I, I just, I keep waiting. I mean, I know two seasons ago he was better as a passer, I still haven't seen the global improvement as he's progressed throughout his career to be really comfy about his transition to all of a sudden now he's mostly a passer. Can, can we just talk about how you buried the lead a minute ago? <laughs> and the team that had, uh, the team that has the three quarterbacks, uh, th- that has t- Tom Brady, Baker Mayfield, and Jameis Winston, do you know which quarterback they took first? Winston. In the eleventh, I guess they're keeping them. Quarterback nine. Yeah, I guess they're keeping them. Right? How do you sunken oh, cost? Right? Sunken cost theory. Yeah, uh, I mean, just the, the, some of the players in that range. I mean, uh, you know, we got Latavius Murray. After that, you know, there's there's plenty of other guys. Uh, I just, you know, what was a savvy pick man. by them though? Can I can I highlight one? Sure. What was it the last round? Mike Boone. I mean, talk about, again, playing the game, I think, the correct mm-hmm. way, where you say, what if Dalvin Cook is out? What if he is holding out? Sure. And then Alexander Madison gets injured, is going to be out for two weeks with COVID. I mean, there's a number of variables where Mike Boone, week one starter. And you say that perfect storm. Maybe it's a 2% chance. Maybe it's 5%. Who knows? But that's at least something you get clarity on. Dalvin Cook, he's back from holdout. Boom, you cut Mike Boone. You're fine. Yeah. So, so I'm willing to say like that any that. outlier is is isn't two percent this year. This seems to be the year of like if yeah. you're going to say, well, there's a low probability of it happening. Like twenty eh, five. It's, like, it's higher than low. Yeah, it's right. higher than true. It's like this is higher than regular low. Right. It's not quite as low as usual low. Twenty nineteen right. and earlier low. Right. This is the a year that's just it's crazy. Aster- right. It's an asterisk right. year. It's, right. We've said before this is going to be the perfect year for how many running backs can you or just. You know, we, we, we focus on running back, but you know what? It could be that environment at basically any position. In right. a two tight end league, I don't know how many tight ends you got. It's probably not enough. How many quarterbacks do you have? You, the spot start, isn't it usually 45 to 50 quarterbacks getting, getting a start? Yeah. You know, like for being live. Last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, it might be plus five this year, you know, or yeah. something like that. I mean, this is, this is, this is poised to be a wild, crazy, fun ride. Um, in, in good ways and bad. And, you know, again, it's about, as you said, with FFPC or any of them, play the game. Yeah. Just play the game. What yeah. are the rules? How can I exploit the format? How, how can I exploit and optimize the roster spots more than anybody else in my league? And then, you know, you got a chance. You're, you're, you're ticking up those percentage points where whatever the format, even if this isn't, again, 
to be a well-rounded dynasty GM analyst, you, you need to be uh, well-versed and, and willing to offer advice, which we do on this show, about a myriad of formats. Mm-hmm. And, and if you say, well, I don't play in leagues in under 30 roster spots, well, you're missing out. You're missing out on a whole different subset of formats and, and shifts in value. And, and we've talked through on three straight episodes about our adjustments that we personally have to make and get over these hurdles that we're used to utilizing. And it really, you know, it's one of those does not apply stickers put on FFPC for these. Yeah, totally. And just diversifying the game. I mean, too tight end, right? I mean, this is the antithesis of too tight end, but trying those different things. It, what the best part is, is it forces you to understand different players, which is ultimately it's, it's, those are more fun because you know, you tend to know more and a lot of different uh, that applies uh, and gives you different opportunities. I remember last year, uh, lots of, lots of injuries were going on at tight ends. Ross Dwelly, who was a guy that we were in on our two tight end league. I was able to go to him because I sort of knew when Kittle was out, I, I knew what he had to offer. That was all coming from the two tight end leagues. So, um, yeah, different, th- that diversity and it carries over in terms of going from shallow to deep strategies and then deep to shallow strategies as well. So including the entire draft, is there one, whether it was a move for a player, a certain player selection that you kind of look back and you'll remember fondly? Is it maybe a missed opportunity where you go, you know, in retrospect, if we had zigged instead of zagged, you know, I kind of would have liked our result a little better. Is there one kind of highlight or low light in that capacity that that you want to highlight here to finish? Um. I like our team in terms of we got we got players that we you know that that we like uh, in terms of we were selecting from the right guys. I mean that whenever we leave a draft with going Madison Dillon, you know uh, Latavius Murray, right? Sort of hit that tranche of players. We got Jared Cook. We hit Damian Williams, right? Whenever you sort of whenever we check those boxes, like hopscotch going through a draft. I'm going to feel good about it. Um, I do think getting up and getting Allen Robinson was a big deal. Uh, I think that was good. That was really good for us in terms of, I think I made the, I think we talked about this in earlier show, but I was on the bike when we made that, um, you know, I'm huffing and puffing and I'm like, you got this chat. I'm like, you know, carry us. Um, but that one's, uh, that one was good being on the right side of that. I, I do think when you, when you look back at it, Cam Akers at 212 seems early, and we've talked about this before. But but ultimately, it comes down to where is it relative, right? So if the first 20 picks are running backs, right, being at 21 and taking running back 21, you're not really grading it against the wide receivers as much. You're grading your it's relative to the, the position. Uh, so I, I think having that that's a good learning experience as well. Understanding. It might seem early, but when everyone else is going, you right. you either have to go or you get left out, right? And so even if it feels uncomfortable going there, no. And, and we had plans in place, knowing those plans, executing those plans, feeling comfortable with roster construction decisions later on. We sort of knew where we were coming from. I think that's a good example of being able to pivot a little bit away from you know what we thought might be there to – figure out team need and, and, and going that route. Yeah. And, and look where it was. I mean, it was after JK Dobbins, you know, mm-hmm. I think it was the equivalent of one Oh four 
because yes. uh, DeAndre Swift was right after uh, a couple picks, but it was uh, ahead by just a few picks from Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones. I mean, how does it look a half a round later than Derrick Henry over the next, say, 24 months? You know, Akers is yeah. going to be 23 in two years. Henry's <laughs> going to be, what, 27, 28, and right. we'll see where he goes with this contract. I mean, Cam Akers is locked in with uh with Sean McVay, et cetera. So, again, it's, you know, you're banking on the player, and, and I think one thing that you can quibble about certain draft strategies or you know certain positions at certain times but it always comes down to the player so if you're getting and you kind of mentioned that you know that gauntlet of you know the aj Dillon and madison types that we gravitate towards you know at, at, at the various costs over the last 18 months just in, in a myriad of formats just being towards those players will you end a draft with your guys and the cost is almost immaterial because you look at your roster at the end. I mean, I kind of look at the roster and be like, you know, this is a really nice roster, but then it's, it includes guys that we maybe don't ordinarily have, like a Saquon Barkley, you know, coming out of a startup. Right, right. And you're like, well, I like our team overall. You know, we kind of play volume running back, but it makes things a whole lot easier where it's like, well, we got Saquon Barkley at running back one, plus we've got all these other propositions where if it goes right. I do want to reiterate what you said because we had talked about going lean and mean, and highly efficient at wide receiver. Now we ended up with five, and part of the reason is that, you know, Jalen Rager got to a point that was highly palatable, and we take a shot on Antonio Brown as four and five. But, you know, we took a little bit of a risk. I mean, I think people probably think it's more of a risk than the two of us with Brandon Cooks. Mm. But the reason Brandon Cooks fits a little well, fits well is because you say, well, we got Mike Evans and Allen Robinson at the top, and it's a start two league. So, you feel more comfortable saying, well, Jalen Reger is one of the guys we like. Well, it, he is a wide receiver three or four. Is a lot easier to make that bet when you have Evans and Robinson as cornerstone guys up at the top ahead of them. So that makes Cooks and Reger, like it's a puzzle piece to put together. And I think you mentioned that, whether it was different phases of the draft or different zones, where you can almost have a different mindset. And part of that is, well, how did you set up those picks in the previous rounds or at that position. And I just think, you know, again, we got a stable guy in Jared Cook. We take a shot on somebody like Rob Gronkowski for the former. Right. Same thing. I mean, Barkley, if we don't get Barkley, let's say we have something else. Maybe we go wide receiver in round one because we're in a different spot. Cam Akers maybe feels different if we don't have a running back yet. Yet it feels right. a little easier when you have Sequan Barkley and we, hey, let's play a big committee at running back two or three over the, the, this season and we'll see about next year. So I, I just think those kind of storylines and mentality shifts are really important for folks when you go through your own drafts. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And and we did, and I can't, uh, we've talked about this. We spent a lot of time planning, right? We spent, we, we, in, I think it's really easy when you're on the turn because you can look at a, you know, a group of players, a tranche of players and say, here's who's probably going to be available at different spots in the draft and really think that out. But we had different benchmarks that, that if we, you know, if we had wide receiver two sort of inside this line, we know where we can go later on. I think that is really, really critical in terms of really sitting down and, and thinking about your draft, whether it's dynasty, whether it's redraft, whether it's uh, a big money league or your home league, you're playing with friends, right? Having those, that strategy in place. It, and like we said, it's kind of like hopscotch. We sort of knew the, the, the boxes we needed to check and get to. 
it's much easier to to have that direction when you feel really comfortable with the base, which we knew. Again, we knew kind of if Allen Robinson was going to be wide receiver two, we're going to feel really good. And to do that, we had to move up, right? But we sort of knew what the line was we needed to get inside of. And and once we got there, again, we're able to go in directions and have a lot of flexibility going forward. And then those Brandon Cooks, Jalen Rager decisions, they're a lot easier because we're inside. we were inside the line earlier on. Yeah, great stuff. Um, this is Chad Parsons, Jordan McNamara, episode 10 of the Football Guys Dynasty show. Let's close out as we have so far through. We made it to double digits. We got, we got, we, it. Yeah. we did it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the honeymoon period officially over, Jordan. <laughs> and I do want to say, I think you, we have a number of listeners looking up Tronch. Uh, that <laughs> you, you've dropped it, you've dropped it twice and people are like, I'm not sure that's a word. <laughs> um, so, so they are, uh, they are quickly going to, uh, synonyms because they're like, I want a real word, uh, not Jordan's makeup words. Yeah. I'm going, um, I'm going, I'm quoting the big short here. Sorry deeper, about that. Deeper level, deeper level. Yeah. We're going, we're going phase two, tier two. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's talk about some dynasty trades, rapid fire finishing up here. Uh, so this is half PPR, Leonard Fournette and DJ Chark for Ronald Jones and Mike Evans. So we both like the value. Why is the market falling like a brick for Leonard Fournette? You add DJ Chark to it, but you get Mike Evans and uh, Ronald Jones. Yeah, it's, it's again, players that we like at different costs were uh, – it's, it's, it's funny how we got here on Ronald Jones. I like Leonard Fournette. I'm not quite there on DJ Shark, but Evans is an all-timer. I mean, in terms of the track that he's on, give me give me Mike Evans, uh, and I'll take the upside shot on Ronald Jones. Yeah, I mean, even though he's the wide receiver two on his own team, I still think that's the prudent play there uh, with Mike Evans. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, I, I look ahead a couple years, and I'm pretty confident Mike Evans is still going to be around churning it out. We'll see about Lynn Fournette with the change of teams. Maybe or probably coming. And DJ Chark, I'm just, I, I just don't trust that profile to continually. You talked about what was it, survivorship, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I just don't think for Jack. I think for Jacksonville, we're probably going to have a new quarterback. They're probably going to bring in a veteran and or you know try to find that impact wide receiver one next off season. So uh, I, I think that is the more likely outcome than Chark just continues on and unchallenged largely. Um, how about uh, for super flex and tight end premium on the 12 team variety is so the question always when you're selling the best player in a deal is, did you get enough Christian McCaffrey? So ears perk up. Did they get enough Matt Ryan in super flex Tyreek Hill, AJ Dillon, James White and first, second, and third round picks two years from now in 2022. I, I this is uh, AJ Dillon. It was a it was a, 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 a abbreviation. Uh, you know, it's AJD, and I read it as and, and so I didn't realize initially that it was AJ Dillon. Um, I don't think it's enough. Um, I, the picks being out a couple years, um, you know, I'm not in love with James White. I like Matt Ryan. Uh, if I'm sitting with the best player in the draft in the trade, and I'm doing a five, six, seven for one, you got to knock me over with it. Um, and if I'm sort of not going to be knocked over by it, when it, you should be able to get essentially write your own check for the best player in dynasty or one of the top you know, four, I guess, in Superflex. I just, I don't think it's enough. 
pivot pivot one piece to maybe something a little better and say this is enough or this is a lot closer to make me think about it um it would be moving james white up right james white somehow um whether that's uh, a wide receiver um that we like better or a running back that we like better um I just, I'm not in love with that profile, that wide receiver two, or excuse me, that running back, backup running back, who is a, the floor play doesn't really move the needle for me. Um, so if you were to get, you know, I was going to say, you know, when I was reading this and I read AJ Dillon is and I was thinking if AJ Dillon was in this deal, uh, you know, how would it move? <laughs> um, you know, if it was, if it was, if I don't know, if it was a different play like Madison or something, maybe that moves me a little bit. Um, if we turn, you know, that. What, if it's, what if it's Matt Ryan to Russell Wilson? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the, va- the value's different there. Okay. Um, but I, I have Matt Ryan pretty high. So I don't, I don't think it's that, that huge of a deal. I mean, if we went Russell Wilson to, you know, Dak Prescott, right? But that, then again, that's a, probably a first round valuation. That's a whole, that's, that would be a win. But again, that's a, if you're selling that cost, that's a lot of, that is, that's well, a lot. Right? Existingly, this is what we're talking about. You're right. talking about, I, I probably am a contender, might have won right. a title last year. And now you're shifting it for a lot of stuff that if you're already a good team, that's another factor of, are you getting these, how many upgrades are you getting in your actual lineup? And you're taking out a critical piece. That's two and a half wins. Right. Last so year. how are you, so, so is Tyree Kill really that much better than maybe what you're starting at wide receiver? You know, and other than that, I mean, Matt Ryan, he may just blend into what you have at quarterback. Mm-hmm. You may not even start him a whole lot. Like, so what you have tangibly is maybe Tyree Kill in your lineup now, AJ Dillon, you hope he develops. You got picks in the future. James White's on your bench and Matt Ryan is your rotational white, you know, quarterback two, three. That to me doesn't sound like enough. So, um, all right, let's talk about, uh, this has a a short annual Debbie. This is a 14 team PPR, uh, running back, two running backs are, are mandatory. And interesting note here. So this is the Alvin Kamara owner who you mentioned in your, uh, potential holdouts and, and pivots and what's the fallout with that over at football guys, correct? Uh, yep. article you yep. wrote this off season in the last, I don't know, four, six weeks. Uh, looking at that. So the Alvin Kamara owner gets Latavius Murray here, John Brown for Latavius Murray and a second. And I'm pulling out your heartstrings because rewind 12, 18, 24 months and you still love John Brown. But back then he was going egregiously low in <laughs> dynasty startups and that paid off in spades. Yeah. Someone put out a, a poll on Twitter, you know, who's, who's the superstar that's underrated. And I just put John Brown. (laughs) Um, uh, yeah, give me Latavius Murray in the second here. Uh, I'll take, again, I like John, I love John Brown, but Latavius Murray has league changing upside. And I just don't think John Brown does. Um, you're getting the second, you're, you know, you're getting the second in a format that depth probably matters. And even with the Debbie depletion, again, that, that pick is important, I believe. And John Brown, let's be realistic, right? The, his best season is probably behind him. Right. They add Stefan Diggs. He didn't survive. You know, they, they get a, they get a good trade there. And, um, you know, again, do we trust Josh Allen? And he just turned, I think John Brown turned about 30. So he just had basically his, his, his peak is already gone. So if you're, if you're not buying the peak, it's kind of going down. You have almost no flexibility. And yet Latavius Murray, 
if the perfect storm happens, you might be able to trade him for a first if you so choose, or you can just ride him. So all that is in play. Last one, 12-team Superflex, Corlin Sutton in the crosshairs. He did uh, some something-something last year, but now they have brought in the artillery uh, in terms of added weapons. They've got Noah Fant. They've got Jerry Judy. They added K.J. Hamler, and it's all on the shoulders of Mr. Drew Locke. Trade Corlin Sutton for a 2021 first and second and the projection here, projection is the key. We could spend a whole show talking about that. Yeah. As a top four type pick. We could do it. We could do a three episode series on projecting future rookie trilogy in terms of top projecting and non, non playoff first. Um, if this is truly a top four pick and I would caution people just generally, we joke, but people have way too much confidence, especially in June. Um, and they have way too much confidence in. October 1st, but June in particular about where rookie picks are going to slot in. So it better be, I mean, top four actually isn't that descriptive. I mean, you, if the top, if it's going to be a top four, like that team better be the worst team in the league for it to feel like a top four lock is what I'll say. Um, if that's true, I would probably take the picks. Um, you know, if it's, if it's much more in the, because the difference between, the third worst team and the you know, the third best team isn't really that big in terms of how it all how it all boils out in terms of projecting it and stuff like that. So if it's more of a middling, um, I, I feel less good about the picks because I'm kind of fading the 2021 class a little bit. Um, but in Superflex, if you're getting a shot, a crack at a a future uh, a future first that that you feel is going to be top four um, with a, a high degree of confidence, I might do this because you get a uh, shot at a quarterback. Yeah. And, and a couple quarterbacks are going to be up there, maybe even three in the top five or six. Um, so I would take the picks pretty easily. I think Cortland Sutton is a risk um, mm-hmm. this year, specifically quarterback play, but also competition for targets. Uh, again, I mean, KJ Hamler was drafted right around what Cortland Sutton was in terms of pedigree. Jerry Judy sturdily above, as well as Noah Fant. I think there's a lot of reasons to say that this is a sell opportunity for Cortland Sutton more than a hold or a buy opportunity. And so you're locking in those picks. Cortland Sutton, we may get to the season. He, he may not have enough, you know, allegiance for to be in your lineup a ton. So if that ends up being the case, as he is just a a nice young wide receiver where we don't really know what the ceiling is anymore for the time being or until situation changes, you're going to wish when you get to next off season that you had those picks. And I I'm even fine. If this is, if they had said it's a top five or top six looking pick, I'm still kind of okay with it. Obviously if it turns into one ten and two ten, you know, you probably feel at this moment you could squeeze it out, but I can certainly see we get to January and Cortland Sutton. It's hard to pull a first round pick period from him now whether or not you would still prefer him that's a separate conversation mm-hmm. uh, but i think in terms of the did you play the market correctly i do think this is the correct move at, at with with present information and one thing i think that's really advantageous right now is to have picked flexibility and that doesn't mean i need to wait until next may to have the picks but with covid with all the crazy stuff that's going on having flexibility in terms of your that 2020 one first isn't getting hurt, right? You know that if you want, if that's a bullet you need to fire at some point to address a need or to make a good team a 
buy uh, a team that's got to buy, you have that flexibility. So I think that's an added thing this year as a strategic component to dynasty. I think that's really uh, having that flexibility where that, that we call it pick liquidity, having that makes a lot of sense this year uh, with everything that's going on. Subscribe, rate, and review the Football Guys shows on all of your podcasting platforms. Sign up for the Football Guys daily email update. All the news you need and instant analysis at footballguys.com slash free. We mentioned the, uh, all the, the recent articles. Also in this episode, we cleaned up the loose ends in the back end of our FFPC startup draft. Uh, for the Football Guys Player Championship, that is closing up. I think it closes tonight, uh, but check on that. It has its own dedicated link over at Football Guys. Also, the myffpc.com slash footballguys link. You're going to get uh, a free $35 team when you register. There's drafts going on now. In this episode, we discussed, as I mentioned, how to optimize for the FFPC Dynasty format, as well as shallow rosters in general. We talked about trading the best player or maybe not trading the best player mm-hmm. in a league, as well as being high variance and why that isn't a bad thing on the back end of your roster, especially in more shallow leagues. I am Chad Parsons. He is Jordan McNamara. And until next time, good luck in your dynasty leagues. We are men, full-grown men, and we teach children lessons.